From Heller Consulting, I'm Kaya Swift, and you're listening to Connected Cause. This show is for leaders at nonprofits and education institutions who are curious about technology. We're bringing you guests from technology companies, nonprofits, and higher education institutions to find out what they're learning, what they're excited about, and how you can move your organization forward in today's digital age. Today, my guests are Keith Heller and Jeffrey Appel. Keith is the founder and chief strategist of Heller Consulting, and Jeffrey is the CEO of Heller Consulting. Keith and Jeffrey have been implementing technology at nonprofits for decades, and I wanted to find out how the market has changed in the last two years and how you should be thinking about technology decisions right now. Keith and Jeffrey, thank you so much for joining me today. I I wanted to start with an organization who has made it through all of the changes thrown at them throughout the pandemic. They've adapted a lot. They maybe have some new technology and they've realized that overall their technology is just not where it needs to be. Maybe they've outgrown it or their needs have changed. Where do they even begin? What advice do you have for that organization? Well, uh, great question. Thank you, Kaya. Uh, And I think there's a lot of nonprofits that are in this situation. Uh, We've all had to respond uh, quickly and creatively over the last couple of years. It's been a whirlwind. And uh, perhaps we are now at a time when we can uh, take stock of what of what uh, we've been through and, uh, you know, the changes we've made. And so I think the first thing is that taking stock to look at how our organization has changed, how our technology has changed in the last couple of years, our engagement with constituents and say, what what has what are the changes that have been uh, uh, improved things for us? What has uh, changed either internally or externally that has made things more challenging? Um, and then uh, another kind of big picture item is, okay, what, given all of this, what are our goals uh, over the next few years? You know, how do we want to engage with our constituents based on where we are now as an organization and where they are? And then uh, w- once you've sort of laid out those goals, then you uh, do an inventory of your technology and say, okay, the technology we have, either that we had coming into this whole situation a couple of years ago or that we've adopted since then, what if that technology is serving those goals? And what do we have that is holding us back? And from there, uh, develop a longer range roadmap for your technology environment. We call it a CRM roadmap. It's not just a single CRM, but, you know, whatever your core CRM is, plus all the ancillary solutions from all sorts of different vendors and stuff and say, you know, what do we want that to look like, uh, you know, a few years down the road? Um, And then you can start to make those incremental changes in a more intentional way than has been available to us these last couple of years. And you mentioned goals in there. And, you know, at Heller, we've been writing and and talking about having that long-term technology strategy for a while. Um, But I think there's a lot of organizations out there who are still solving for short-term problems. They're still adapting. They have folks that are now coming back into the office. So they're supporting people in a hybrid environment. They're still having to make some adaptations to how they're working or how they're supporting 
their clients or their constituents. So how can leaders balance those short-term technology problems with that longer-term strategy? When really the world changed for just about all of us uh, and our work environment changed and how we were going to collaborate and and connect and work with and even do aspects of our jobs that used to require us to be in person or uh, in an office, uh, organizations, I think, moved quickly to to address those challenges. And, and, and rightfully so, people had to figure out ways to process donations and uh, do other really important things at an organization that allowed them to operate and run. Uh, and I think, you know, one of the things that we saw in, in, in 2021, which was a great majority of our projects were addressing those short-term uh, requirements and uh, challenges that organizations had to face at that moment. Uh, obviously, the word digital transformation is used a lot by software companies. Uh, I think, you know, sometimes when you hear terms like that uh, tossed around, they, they it sounds to start a little, um, I don't know, like generic, you know, what does that mean? Uh, but in this particular case, what it, I think what we saw is that organizations had, you know, analog, hands-on, in-office processes that they had to do remotely or in a distributed workforce or online. And they adopted technologies at a really accelerated rate in 2021 and still going into 2022 that allowed them to address those challenges. And so, you know, I think moving into 2022, what we saw was a significant shift in approach. And by that, I mean, uh, organizations started taking a much more strategic, long view of their technology planning, recognizing there's still short-term priorities that have to be addressed, but wanting to plan in a way so that uh, as an organization, uh, they had a roadmap, and going back to the, the term that, that we use and that Keith used earlier, uh, for their technology plan that addresses their organization's priorities and needs. And so we've seen a really large uptick in organizations looking to build a strategy around technology. And for some of those organizations, that's picking the right platform. Uh, for others, if they are already on the platform they, 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 they want to be on, it's about figuring out how do they leverage that more effectively and what tools could they use and adopt to help uh, address their needs. Um, and so, you know, I think, again, going back to the planning aspect, organizations have adopted a bunch of tools that are allowing them to, you know, continue to do, uh, you know, run their business operations, but are taking a, a much bigger picture. And I think, and also in recognition that the way that we worked uh, two years ago uh, is not how we're going to be working in the future and wanting to be on top of that and addressing that now is critical to their long-term success. Yeah, I totally agree. And, uh, you know, long-term strategy can include solving short-term problems. I just think the difference is that, you know, for the last couple of years, it's been, let's jump in the car. You start driving. I'll figure out where we're going. <laughs> and, and now I've, I think the suggestion is more like, okay, we know we're getting in the car. Uh, let's look at the map first. And then we get in the car. You mean like a paper map? 
Keith? <laughs> Some of y'all might have to Google this, but maps, you know, they're your parents use them. Yeah. <laughs> Jeffrey, you mentioned a couple of the the ways that nonprofits have adapted over the past two years. And certainly there's been all sorts of technology things that have popped up you know, collaboration tools being one of them that really became popular over the last two years, just out of necessity. What trends have we seen influence the nonprofit sector since the pandemic began when it comes to technology? Yeah, well, I think for organizations, uh, a huge part or nonprofit organizations, obviously a huge part of what they're doing is they're engaging with their communities around their mission, uh, around what they're trying to achieve in terms of their goals. Uh, and all of a sudden, uh, they didn't have a chance to engage with these people in person. So we did see, you know, the quick adoption of, you know, digital engagement strategies, including digital fundraising, online communities, uh, portals, and other ways in which they can interact and engage, quite frankly, with the people that uh, care the most and want to be a part of the ways in which these organizations support their communities. Yeah, and I would add, uh, you know, remote work and and internal collaboration, of course, we think about these conferencing products, but uh, to have uh, everybody having access to your CRM, to your fundraising solution, uh, not everybody was in a situation where that kind of access was kind of normal and natural. Uh, Also, uh, collaboration around documents. You know, if you're preparing a presentation, if you're preparing a proposal, uh, these aren't things that emailing these things back and forth, it doesn't, it's not uh, uh, particularly efficient. And so these broader kind of office products that, that allow for that kind of collaboration, uh, what we saw is that people had been doing something hybrid where they're, yeah, we're using technology. But we're also walking down the hall to, to work with somebody. And of course that, that's not being as easy. Um, there's also the collaboration externally with uh, various partners who might be part of the, uh, your ecosystem in delivering services to your constituents. So collaborating with those folks outside the quote unquote walls of your organization, and then delivering those services in a fashion that might not be in person anymore. Um, so that's, that's been, you know, it's a lot of change. Uh, and we're, we are fortunate in the nonprofit sector in that some of these trends that are uh, coming forward for our organizations are trends that have happened previously in the commercial sector. So we do get to look to that sector for uh, practices that have worked and for technologies that they've already been using and and refining so that we can benefit from that. It's just now uh, necessary for us to take some of those steps. That aspect of having to change a lot out of necessity and for some of those organizations that maybe weren't as you know, technical or technologically savvy at the start of the pandemic and were sort of thrown into a more technical environment over the past two years. I think we've certainly seen in the work that we've done that there is a, a, a digital divide of sorts going on in the nonprofit sector where there are those organizations who prior to COVID, 
you know, weren't as up to speed on technology. They were using some outdated tools or some outdated legacy systems. um, And those tools did not help them adapt as quickly throughout versus some of those organizations that sprung ahead during the pandemic. Um, And certainly we have some clients who are shining examples. What can we learn from those organizations that fared well throughout the pandemic when it comes to technology? I, I think without doubt, and, and I think believe there was a recurring theme here, but organizations that had already started planning and uh, had recognized that digital engagement uh, as, a, as a tool and as a way of uh, communicating with their constituency as being important and adopting those strategies ahead of time. Uh, organizations that had collaboration tools uh, that they already used to share information and work together uh, allowed them to uh, now, in a distributed work situation, continue to do the work that were that they the important work that they were doing uh, and to communicate. Um, and I think you know, as we noted before. I think throughout 2021, there was a real scramble to address short-term needs. And, and well, you know, one of our concerns is that was like, oh my gosh, is this going to end up being like the, the 90s or the aughts where departments got to choose you know, products and tools that met their specific needs without any sort of thought about how might this data be important to other departments? How might this interact with our overall CRM? Uh, how would we potentially as an organization report on this? How are we going to measure the outcomes of what we're doing? Uh, that's all sort of pre-CRM technology uh process, I would say. And, you know, one of the things that we've been writing about for years as part of our thought leadership is, you know, get out of that decision-making mode, have an organization technology uh, procurement process that aligns with your strategic vision and goals of an organization and start there and then make decisions by department and by uh, requirement for tools that support that overall vision. And so the organizations that had a plan they had to move fast to find tools and products and solutions that would allow them to meet their short-term needs. But knowing what their long-term plan was allowed them to, and I would say in part guided them around their decision-making. So now they're in a position that they can look at folding that technology in to their, to their technology stack uh, and overall strategy and approach. And, and I would add, Jeffrey, I think that's right on. And, and I would add that sometimes when we talk about having an overall technology plan and kind of centralizing decision-making and, and departments don't kind of decide just on their own what they need, uh, it can sound like a little bit of a control structure. But underlying it is the recognition that we're trying to deliver the best experience to our constituents. And when when an organization adopts different technologies across different departments, yeah, each department may feel like, oh, I can function a little more autonomously, it's a little easier for me. But the constituents notice the disconnects. You know, why am I getting email three emails in the same week from three different entities at this nonprofit I love uh, and and none of them seem to know that 
that, uh, you know, I'm getting these other emails. And so there's this fractured experience for the constituent. So that the goal in having an aligned technology strategy is not, uh, you know, because we want everybody to use the same products and stuff. It's because we want the constituents to have a seamless and unified experience and be treated as a whole human being. You know, this is a theme that comes up a lot, Keith, in that the customer uh, experience is has really changed. Of course, we talk about it as a constituent experience, but the constituents' expectation of how an organization is going to engage with them uh, has significantly uh, uh, been changed just by the way that corporate America ha- has really moved uh, the needle on this. And, and so I think, as you noted before, uh, they do expect the messaging to be relevant to them and, and to there to be a singular sort of message and point of contact and that uh, different departments are, uh, are aware of their engagement and interaction with the organization. And when you're not providing that kind of customer experience or constituent experience, you're not really engaging with the, with the individual in the way that uh, they're hoping to be engaged with. Yeah, there's a lot of pressure on organizations to deliver that digital constituent experience. I'd like to change topics just slightly of we've we've discussed having a plan, having a strategy. How do we put those plans and strategies into action? What tools are available out there? Um, there certainly are more options in the nonprofit technology market right now. Just high level, what are some of those options? And what does it mean for nonprofits that there are more options right now for them to choose between? So I, I would break down the market into having kind of three fundamental types of offerings. One is uh, a traditional point solutions. You're trying to get one thing done. You get one product to do it and it kind of stands on its own. And that's, uh, you know, uh, that's kind of old school and, and it, and it, it's kind of clunky. Uh, then for for small and medium organizations, uh, you have vendors who have put together uh, packages of uh, solutions that work together. Um, and they, they tend to uh, require less upkeep, less uh, technical expertise, a lower level of management, but they correspondingly uh, maybe do fewer things. And, and can only extend so far. And then you have for larger entities or small and medium uh, organizations that think larger, um, you have these uh, CRM solutions uh, and they're coming in from the commercial sector, uh, primarily uh, Salesforce and Microsoft. And people are adopting those CRM solutions as the central hub for their data and, and for their business practices. And then they're choosing, you know, surrounding solutions that can plug in to that. And it's a very, uh, I think it's a very creative environment. They're very dynamic. You have a lot of different choices, uh, things that were made specifically for nonprofits, things that were made for the commercial sector and can cross over. But it's a, it's a higher level of sophistication to coordinate that, to envision it, to manage it. Um, but correspondingly, you have a lot more ways to interact with and serve your constituents. I've been working with many clients that are just beginning 
the, the selection phase and, and some are really starting at the beginning, which is they're not looking at products or platforms or solutions and just trying to determine as an organization, what is their current technology stack? You know, how do they want to move that forward? What kinds of challenges in their business do they want to solve? Uh, and all the way to organizations that have already either picked a platform and product and, and across the board, uh, one of the things that, that I like to point out, and I think Kai, you began with this, in the 20 years that I have been in this market and doing this work, there's never been so many good options across all three of the kind of uh, technology solutions that, that Keith just talked about before. Uh, and I think one of the outcomes of that is that when there's a lot of options uh, people uh, tend to then invest in, in in strategic services or going through a process of determining their requirements and then picking a solution or product or platform that best meets their organizational goals. Whereas when there's just one platform or there's just one really good point solution or just one really good product company, organizations tend to just dive into it and start implementing and, and skipping the really important process, again, of understanding what are you trying to achieve with this technology investment? What will success look like? Uh, what order are we going to go about uh, implementing across the organization? What is the time frame for, for achieving this? All, all those sorts of things are incredibly important for having a successful project that's adopted and meets the organization goals. And then certainly we've seen some of these nonprofit technology companies consolidate. We've seen an increase in mergers and acquisitions. If you're a nonprofit and you're seeing some of these mergers and acquisitions going on, and maybe you use one of those solutions currently at your organization, what should you be thinking about? And overall, what will these mean for the nonprofit organizations actually using all of these pieces of technology? Well, what's really helpful is if you can hire someone who can read minds, uh, because what's, what's important, you know, when you when you see these mergers, uh, the question I always ask is why? You know, what's 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 the goal of the merger? And uh, maybe I just think in threes. But again, I think there's three primary reasons that these mergers happen. The best of them is, oh, we want to, we see a need. Uh, we the we're doing uh, we have X product and we are serving a bunch of nonprofits and we can see that they need help with this other area and if we provided that our company would grow it would grow in size and capacity which are things that that the company wants it would grow in the quality of what we provide to our uh, uh, customers which is what the nonprofit wants and then that's great and that's that's really fun and, and dynamic and exciting and, and you can feel the commitment of the organization but there's another couple types of acquisitions that are not so positive uh, sometimes that acquisition is to put a competitor out of business so one vendor buys another so that they don't have to compete with them anymore that doesn't necessarily result in a better product for the nonprofit the other is uh, that uh, and we see this this is more and more common let's say compared to 10 years ago there's a lot of money out there in investments uh, in investors and equity folks and uh, they're really looking to buy a company let it grow and then turn around and sell it to somebody else uh, but that's not really adding value 
uh, to the nonprofit marketplace. So when you see these mergers and you're and you're looking at a vendor who who has been part of something like that, it's really good to to dig in there and ask. You know, what's the end game here? You want to hitch your technology uh, wagon to to a company that is uh, going to stay in the sector and stay serving it. I think for sure one of the trends we've seen over the last, you know, two to three years has been the consolidation, uh, either through VC or other forms where uh, an organization or a company is trying to create a suite of products so that they are your your product company of choice. Of course, I think many of us are familiar with BlackBot and Razor's Edge and all the products and solutions that they had to offer. So for me, like that is a model of doing business. Obviously, Salesforce came along and really disrupted that market with platform and uh, app exchange and and ISVs, independent software vendors, creating uh, products and solutions that would integrate, uh, you know, seamlessly with that platform. Very different approach. Uh, and I think you're continuing, you know, to see that uh, there is a platform play. But even within that platform play at Salesforce, we've seen them more and more get into creating products and solutions that make up their suite of solutions if you're on the platform, uh, as opposed to, I think, what we're seeing some uh, other vendors, uh, ones that come to mind are Virtuous, Neon, uh, that uh, have been acquiring different products so that they can be your one-stop shop for fundraising, digital volunteer. Uh, again, much more like what you had in the BlackBot world. Although in these particular cases, you do have access to your data, APIs, and they're more open. But again, I think there are two choices that have really evolved much better than what we had 10 or 20 years ago. And depending on organizational goals, what their technology uh, roadmap and strategies are, both can be really good options, uh, but they are different and have pros and cons. Uh, and an organization should be really thoughtful about their process to determine which approach is best for them. I do want to pivot a little bit with our remaining time here and talk about the people using technology and Burnout is is a topic that has been at the forefront of a lot of conversations in the corporate world and in the nonprofit world of how to support staff, how to retain staff, recruit staff. There are certainly organizations out there struggling with employee retention or have had to let people go due to less funding over the past couple of years. So when you're thinking about the intersection of people and technology. What has changed over the past two years and how should leaders at organizations who are really concerned about recruiting and retaining employees, how should they be thinking about supporting their staffs with technology? It's it's hard to believe that uh, we're in a situation where nonprofits are being asked to do more with less, because I feel like that's the perpetual state of nonprofit organizations compared to the corporate environment. But certainly in the last two years, we've seen that challenge uh, accelerated. Uh, I think one of the primary reasons why individuals work for nonprofit organizations is being a part of the mission and goals and, and connecting with individuals that share that passion and working with them towards achieving those objectives. And 
being distributed and not having a chance to work with colleagues that share that vision, uh, not having an opportunity to work in your communities and, and fulfill the mission of your organization has created a situation where people are probably feeling more detached than ever from organizations uh, that they, they that they work out. And so I think there's several things that organizations can and should do uh, around obviously collaboration tools, I think around change management. How are people gonna effectively work together uh, where they feel they have individual human connections and also get a sense of the work that they're doing and how it's impacting their community? I, I think that's right on, Jeffrey. We often uh, collectively look at technology as an opportunity for efficiency, uh, which starts to sound pretty cold. (laughs) And that's not what we're about in the nonprofit sector. You know, why do we work in this sector? Because we believe in the in the causes uh, that we get to be a part of. And so there's so much heart that is part of our uh, of the nonprofit community. And that heart has to come into are thinking about technology and our use of technology and our, and our reasons for having it, keeping at the forefront of our, of our thinking and doing that, uh, you know, we want that human connection that you, Jeffrey, just talked about. A follow-up question to that, Keith, is for some folks who maybe were in the corporate sector and they're now coming over to the nonprofit sector, what are their expectations as people coming into a nonprofit organization when it comes to technology? Hmm. You know, I've, I've seen a lot of folks come from the commercial sector to the nonprofit sector over the years uh, and uh, always with the best intentions. Um, but I think there's a transition time. And uh, I, I'm thinking, you know, my own personal situation, I just moved from an urban area to a rural area over the last couple of years. And so uh, being the person I am, I read a bunch of books about this uh, in advance. And one of the pieces of advice that I really appreciated was uh, when I when you first make that kind of move, uh, spend the first year just listening. You know, before you come up with suggestions or you or you think, huh, you know, I would do it this way instead. You know, so I would counsel people coming from the commercial sector similarly. Like, first of all, thank you for bringing your your talents, uh, you know, to to this uh, to these causes, Um, but also to spend a lot of time just observing and listening and seeing, oh, how do how, how are things done here and understanding why they're done that way? Because uh, quite often they may appear less efficient, but the way that people work together in the nonprofit sector, um, you know, it has a lot of heart and it has its own rewards uh, as we go along. And it may not show in the numbers in the same way, uh, but the quality of interactions, uh, you know, is, is really is really important. I think one of the other fundamental differences within the nonprofit uh, community is that a great majority of the projects that we do are are based around consensus, uh, consensus decision making, which uh, may be new for people coming from the corporate side uh, where uh, decisions are probably more hierarchical uh, and owned by departments. Uh, regularly part of our selection services and our strategic services bring in a broad group of individuals at the organizations to identify uh, the objectives, 
talk through the different scenarios, and then as a group, make a decision about how the organization is going to go forward, which could seem uh, inefficient. Uh, but the reality is, again, that for organizations that go through this process, what they're really investing in is a change management uh, process. To wrap up, what excites you the most about the nonprofit technology market right now? What are you most excited about for this year? Well, my sense of it is, you know, and this is just touching on things we've been talking about, especially what Jeffrey said is one, there's so many possibilities. Right. And they're really interesting possibilities. You know, they're, they're technology that does cool things and is very helpful, engages you in meaningful ways with your constituents. But of course, there are a lot of possibilities. So the other thing that excites me is that we're seeing more and more nonprofits uh, engage in some sort of planning process. I, I th- I'm most excited about the innovation that's happening in this market. You know, I think I noted earlier that uh, in the 20 plus years I've been in in this sector, I've never seen so many great options and choices for organizations. And and I've been involved in several selection platform product selection projects over the last 18 months. And uh, in the past, I would feel like you would get to a conclusion and there there was a clear winner based on the organization's uh, priorities and approach. Uh, but now we're getting you to the end and there's two or three really good options, which is great. Uh, just It's just a, a testament to how much innovation is happening. And of course, by there being so much competition, we're seeing that innovation happen uh, much quicker. Uh, of course, what I would also like to see is that innovation ultimately also creates some price competitiveness, which I'm sure is happening. Uh, but that's pretty exciting. If you're a nonprofit and you're in the market for uh, technology, whether it be a solution or a product or platform, uh, there's more good options right now than there's ever been. And I think that's, uh, yeah, that excites me. Thank you so much for listening to today's conversation. If you're looking for more resources on nonprofit tech, be sure to check out the Heller website at teamheller.com. That's T-E-A-M-H-E-L-L-E-R.com.